Hey everybody, thanks for checking out this episode of My First Sketch at MyFirstSketch.com. As always, feel free to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or on SoundCloud and get it automatically. You can catch the show on the Stitcher app as well. Like the podcast on Facebook at Facebook.com slash MyFirstSketch. Email me at Josh at MyFirstSketch.com and follow me on Twitter at MyFirstSketch. We are about three weeks away from the 10th Philly Sketch Fest. A Facebook memory recently popped up showing the lineup of the very first Philly Sketch Fest. It's crazy to think we've grown from eight acts over two nights to almost 40 acts from all over the U.S. and Canada over four nights of live shows and a film festival to kick it all off. Tickets for the live shows are available on TicketFly.com. And here's a little hint. All of our venues are accessible by SEPTA. So if you look around the internet, you might find some promo codes for discounted tickets. Today's guest is Colby Smith, currently a member of Big Britches. His first sketch is called James Bond's Extended Family. He reads the role of Tim Bond, and I read the role of M in whatever stage direction you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Deep in the bowels of MI6, M sits in his office, hard at work. He presses the intercom button. Miss Moneypenny, send 007 in, please. M returns to work, but there's no answer. Miss Moneypenny, I don't have the time for this dilly-dallying. Send 007 in now. A man barges through the door. Who are you and where is 007? Jim? Oh, Jim. Couldn't make it into the office today. He wanted me to come by in his place. I'm his cousin. Tim. Tim Bond. What? His cousin? Yeah, we recently found each other on one of those family ancestry websites. But you're American. Oh, yes. Turns out his father had a secret family living in Nebraska. Oh. Yeah. So, long story short, here I am. What can I help you with? Help me with? This is a top-secret government agency. Bond shouldn't even have told you he had this job. Oh, but we're family. And Jimmy never had much of a family growing up. He's just glad he finally has somebody to connect to. Surely you can understand that, can't you, Magnus? (gasps) He told you my real name? Oh, yeah. Jimmy told me loads of stuff. He even told me about the time you two cheated at cards together so you could have enough money to buy your wife a new wig. (sighs) It's sweet. I don't know. Well, you clearly share 007's love of mischief. Yeah, but otherwise we aren't that similar. Oh? Yeah, he likes traveling the world, eating and drinking well, working out. I'm just content with weed. Weed? Yeah, you know, pot, grass, dope, hash, hemp, ganja, reefer, the herb. I see. So you don't even share Bond's weakness for women? Well, you know, I like the ladies just fine, but to tell you the truth, they just aren't as good as weed. Yes. But Jimbo, oh boy, that guy is like a walking instruction manual for seducing women. I think he's outside banging your secretary right now. What? No, no, I'm just kidding. He's at home. He would, though. Look, Tim, this is highly irregular. I don't know why Bond sent you here. And frankly, he should know better. Now, unless you're going to roll me a joint, I suggest you leave. 
I thought you'd never ask, man. Tim takes a bag of weed out of his pockets. Lights out. Hey, Colby. Josh. All right. So uh, tell me about this idea. Tell me about James Bond's cousin, Tim. Yes. Uh, highly original uh, idea. <laughs> One. Um, I, uh, I started doing comedy in college. Uh, actually, uh, I, uh, during my year abroad, I was in Sheffield, at the University of Sheffield in England. Fancy. Uh, which is about, oh, oh, the most fancy. Uh, you know, it actually is so funny that the, uh, the city was described by more than one person to me as the Pittsburgh of the UK <laughs> because, because it has like, it's similar in that it has a very industrial past and uh, has really not uh, recovered since mm-hmm. <laughs> manufacturing left. Uh, so a very like working class uh, uh, city on the whole, but uh, I mean, a super, super positive experience. I had a, a great time there, but yeah. Uh, so I joined the, uh, the comedy group there, which was a sketch group. Um, and this was the first one. Uh, that I presented to them and uh, we did it in the show and it went fine. I then I, I just, I, you know, you wanted to take something you knew a lot about and I was a big James Bond fan as a kid. So uh, uh, there are times when I certainly wish that it hasn't been as well covered comedically as it has. <laughs> yeah. I, I think everyone has written a James Bond or uh, oh, not everyone, but James Bond is definitely a, a well-worn. Oh yes. Territory for writers. Very much so. So, all right, but you're in England Yes. As an American writing about James Bond American like James Bond's American cousin. Like how like is there a novelty to that? Like oh look at the foreign like look at the uh, I'm oh, what they call it the Yankee like right. Look at what the Yankees brought us. <laughs> I think there probably was. I mean, I remember uh um you know, we were, we would be doing shows together and uh uh there was very much I think there was a novelty sense to it. Uh I think it was like I I buy a reality where the audience thought that the sketch was them kind of making fun of me, mm-hmm. you know, uh, because, you know, I come in and it's, it's, you know, it's the, the unrefined colonial, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, it, it was, it, it, we did it, I think one or two times. I think it did. Okay. You know, I'm always jealous of people that were, that had sketch comedy in college and especially mm. like, so you're in, a year abroad you're in england studying at sheffield what what makes you go to the sketch comedy group that the college has is it is it, uh, first off is it is it a, like a permanent thing at this campus like yes uh it is a permanent thing at the campus i should uh uh give it a shout I, actually a, a number of the people who i was in the group with are now like doing fairly well in the UK comedy scene, uh, notably Sean Morley and Tom Burgess. There they are. There, there, there are the shout outs. Um, but, uh, they, uh, um, uh, Sean Morley was the founder, uh, and he was a senior when I was a sophomore, I guess I went over during my sophomore okay. year. Um, and, uh, so he was the founder, had done it a couple years before and it still exists as far as I know, as the, uh, Sheffield comedy review. That's all it's called. That's- um, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's not a crowded market, so <laughs> they didn't need a big hook. <laughs> Sheffield Comedy Radio, um, whatever. Yeah, but uh, they, yeah. So I had uh, always, you know, sort of been interested in in writing and performing as uh, you know as a kid, and then was too shy to do it as a freshman in college. And I, I felt this freedom over in England because I knew I would only be there for a year to just kind of try 
whatever. And if I was bad at it, sure, so absolutely. what? And uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. What were you into as a kid? What were you watching? What was what made you laugh growing up? The first thing I I really loved, I think, is uh, uh, whose line is it anyway? Okay. I started watching that when I was like, probably uh, nine. The American version. Yeah, I, I found the American version, and then that summer, when I was like nine or ten, Comedy Central was running a lot of the UK mm-hmm. version on reruns just during the day while I was home from school for summer break. Yeah. Uh, so I got to see a lot of that as well, uh, and it was very much like, you know, and the UK version's better, you know, just to like try and have some kind of uh, sophisticated comedy opinion when I was <laughs> ten years old. Yeah, the, I'm trying to remember like some of the cast members of the uk version i remember uh oh what's his name he's the dude that dies at the beginning of office space anyway the dude the dude that dies at oh office space, yes. i know he's in the british one i know that like and this might not be like within the timeline of what you were watching but i believe there's a season of the british version that came and did it on the set of the american version with a bunch of american yes actors. so the like, last Definitely, yeah. So the la- so uh, uh, Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles were cast members of the original British one for like six of its ten years or something like that. And then the last season was shot in L.A. on the stage that became the uh, the U.S. Yeah. set. Um, what was it about Whose Lines Anyway that really like drew you into it? Yeah, I mean, I, it's definitely not something I can, like, defend now <laughs> from, like, a comedic standpoint. But I think as a kid, it's, like, it's very heartening, especially when you come from, like, a small town or a, a religious upbringing or whatever, um, where you see adults mm-hmm. being silly. I think it's a very uh, – it was a very profound uh, experience for me not to like make it sound too dramatic, but I think that's part of what I was responding to about it. And I don't think you need to defend whose lines anyway. I think whose lines anyway is very, like, yeah, yeah. is not the worst thing you could, you know, be introduced to. Like, you know, I'm sure we can name tons of sitcoms that like, if you said yes, dear, we would have more of an issue or, like, <laughs> I'm just, you know, there, there are worse things that you could bring up as your first experience. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned like small town and religious, like, like where roughly are you growing up? So I'm from Western Maryland, yeah. uh, very close to the West Virginia border. Um, and my, my hometown, uh, I'm from the second westernmost county in Maryland. So uh, we share a lot with West Virginia uh, uh, culturally like, as well. Um, weird handle part. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's under the, the, you know, the freaky parts of Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's looked like it's squeezed between Pennsylvania and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it used to be bigger and they've just like shut it yeah. <laughs> into one thing. Um, but yeah, so that's where I'm from. And it's, it's uh, um, my hometown's got like 20,000 people in it. It's not the smallest town, but it's certainly not. My high school was, my graduating class was less than 200 people. Um, so we're, we're talking small, but mm-hmm. not minuscule. Um, what else are you into growing up? Like, and you mentioned that you always wanted to write and perform. Like, are you doing school plays? Are you doing... No, I was I was far too shy at the time uh, to do any of these cool plays. I did in eighth grade play uh, an extra in a uh, uh, a man without a country, but it was only because the school was so small that they made everybody do it. <laughs> but I had a fun time, you know. I I kind of wish if I have a uh, I definitely wish I had done more of that in high school because I would my friends would do it and I would go and see them and just think, wow, that looks like 
that looks like a fun time yeah i definitely have the regret of not doing more like just stuff in high school like that like now like my high school did like the standard stuff of i think there was grease one year and bye bye bird mm-hmm. but still like i'm sure i would have had fun or at least tried it out so you know yeah a little regret there that's fine definitely all right so you do uh well uh Whose Lines Anyway is very famously improv in short form. Mm -hmm. What's your introduction to sketch comedy and the more, like, you know, more of what you're doing now? Yeah, sketch came later. Sketch was like uh, um, getting into Saturday Night Live in high school um, and getting into, I guess, Monty Python around the same time and a little bit of mad TV, but not that much. but I, I think SNL is probably my biggest introduction to sketch comedy. How uh, did you discover Monty Python? I'm I'm always curious about Monty Python. Like, wh- where do you get to it? Like, it. Well, I think it's uh, it's the the Holy Grail is like a uh, was like a big high school movie okay, so uh, with okay. me and my friends. Yeah, definitely through the movie, and then you know you watch all the movies, and then uh, you know there was the the DVD box set of the Flying Circle uh, Circus was out, but. I didn't, I didn't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of find them on the, the little ones on YouTube here and there. And then there was also, they did their first movie and now for something completely different was like a, a best a, of, of their show. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd seen that. So I felt like that was at the time I didn't feel like I, I needed to dive in really to the, the flying circus. Cause a lot of, a lot of it was, you know, I was 15, you know, backwoods <laughs> kid. A lot of that stuff absolutely. went over my head. Um, I ask everybody, it's my, it's one of my patented questions of the show. Do you have, who? not do you have, because you're going to have to answer the question anyway. Uh, who is your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member of all time? You know, when I first started watching it, Will Forte was my guy. He, he so comes up a lot. So that might be mine. Of the, of the, of really? The, like the last 15 years, uh, he's he's one of the big names, yeah. He, the first episode I ever saw, uh, Hugh Laurie was the host. Okay. And uh, Will Forte did his Tim Calhoun character. I, Are you I familiar with this Calhoun. one? Yeah. Oh, my God. I thought it was I was like, I couldn't talk about anything else the next day. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, I was bothering everybody with just like my impression of his character. I that too. <laughs> that, that's I do that too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like he's such a uh, he's so committed. Like I, everyone says, like he's like all in no matter how stupid the the idea is no matter what's going on, he hones in and he like just commits all in, which I think most of that cast, most of that era of the cast was like, there weren't like really any, like, you know, people who are negative about Jimmy Fallon about like snickering and laughing all the time and breaking mm. that cast wasn't really that way. No, I mean, I mean, this was Will Forte, Bill Hader, and Kristen Wiig all there at the same time. Are I mean, that's three people who just commit super yeah. hard. Uh, are you, are you watching Last Man on Earth? Are you? I did. I watched the first season and a half, I guess, and then just kind of fell off on it. But not, but clearly, just out of my yeah. own laziness, not out of uh, any ill feelings about the show. I love it's that really show. Good. I got to catch up. Things. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things on TV right now. <laughs> um, all right. So you do, you're in England. You have the, and I'm going to, uh, you, you, you're a stranger in the land. Like yes. <laughs> we are in a pre-inter, we are in an internet age at this point when you're in college. 
but at the same like i'm assuming you're like oh if i screw up in comedy over in england no one's gonna know back at home oh yeah i mean i felt like you know if you I went to the University of Maryland, um, and a lot of, not a lot of people from my high school, but enough people from my high school were like there and around and in my social circle that I felt like, man, if I do it here, I'll I'll be doing it in front of them. And I don't know if it's going to be, I mean, I still to this day hate when like family or or friends who don't do comedy are in the audience. (laughs) Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I felt the, the freedom there was just kind of away from prying eyes to just kind of try whatever. Um, and glad I did. So you return home to America for your junior year of college. What's your next comedy step? So then I joined um, the the campus comedy. Well, well, there there were a couple of Maryland, but I joined uh, the bureau, which was the all purpose. Uh, is what how it marketed itself, the all purpose comedy group. So we did sketch improv, and then uh, if people wanted to do stand up uh, at the shows, there was there was less of a focus, I guess, on developing that together although we would vet mm-hmm. the sets before we were like doing a show um but uh yeah it was we would do two shows at the beginning of the semester that were uh stand up and improv uh we, we would like have a couple of the members do stand up at the beginning and then an improv set at the end uh with one of us acting as the host and then we would always be building toward the big end of the semester sketch show that we would get at like a bigger room uh at the university somewhere um, and just all put that on and have a big party afterwards. And uh, <laughs> so it, yeah. it's basically just one big sketch show a semester with the improvs sprinkled in before. Yes, yes, are, definitely. All right, another question about like my snobbery of, of comedy: Are you improving your way to the sketch? No. So the sketches came completely from uh, indiv- we would just bring scripts to practice and read them and and get notes from the group. Um, and then revise them. Uh, no, but I mean that we definitely should have done that. <laughs> that would have been a much more productive way to go about the show. But the improv we were doing, uh, um, it it was just one guy had one copy of Truth and Comedy, and we passed it around <laughs> <laughs> like as quickly as we could, but which was not that quick. So it was very much like the blind leading the blind uh, kind of scenario. Is there like any like academic advisor? Like, is there? There was, you know, there was because every every extracurricular needed like a a a academic sponsor, right. but I don't know who ours was. I don't know how involved like you guys were. Completely <laughs> like in control of your own. Okay. Yes. Yeah. We were completely in control of it, uh, which I guess at the time uh, I didn't even think about, but now it just seems uh, like I don't know what we thought we were doing. <laughs> right, so you're doing the bureau at college, and you you said University of Maryland. Okay. Yes, University of Maryland. Um, also, I, I should say it was founded by uh, Matt Mayer, who was uh, the, uh, on UCB teams for a long time. And I think, is it funny or die now? Uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah. All these uh, what's founders. The, you know? <laughs> what's the next step after college? So after college, I moved, uh, I moved to New York pretty soon after that. Uh, I was an English major, and I thought I was going to work in publishing because that seemed like a natural next step. So I, I took a, a summer course at NYU that was in uh, like the publishing industry. Okay. Um, and so I, I pursued that for a while and uh, um, didn't really materialize. I ended up just taking like a desk job in communications at a, at a uh, media company, just doing like website 
backend and blogging and that kind of thing for them. Uh, and I didn't really do comedy seriously for about two years after moving to New York, believe it or not. Uh, I think I was very much like, I graduated college a year early, so I was only 20 when I moved to the city. And I wanted to just kind of get settled <laughs> for a while. And it also kind of felt like, you know, uh, um, you know, time to, to put away childish things. <laughs> you know, I, I uh, uh, definitely like entertained ambitions of, uh, of being a writer and a performer. Um, mm. But I, I don't think I was just at a place uh, emotionally where I could own up to wanting those things, you know? Right. Um, so I didn't do it for two years. And a, a lot of friends from college and even from the Bureau had moved up here either before me or around the same time and were kind of taking UCB classes and doing open mics. Um, so I was always around it. Uh, and, you know, I think kind of the most important thing for a young comedian or really anybody in any creative field is to kind of have that community to be to be not just supporting you, but pushing you and to feel competitive with. Um, because after a while, I I, uh, I just kind of realized like, oh, everybody else is is uh, uh, like things are starting to happen for them in terms of like, not like professional opportunities, but they're getting known in their own way and, and uh, making new friends that I'm just kind of behind. So then I, I took the plunge and uh, uh, got back into uh, doing open mics and uh, started taking UCB classes and then through um, doing improv shows with the uh, indie team is how I met the, the, the guys I'm on the big bridges with now. Um, and, uh, that's, I've been with them for a little over a year at this okay. point. Um, well, um uh, yeah. You mentioned doing classes at UCB and I'm always curious about the, you know, the class system at theaters like that. Uh, like, are you mm -hmm. just doing that? Like, do you do the improv, uh, the improv run or the sketch run? I started out doing the improv run and then I, I took sketch, I think, uh, in between taking the third and fourth level, uh, improv class. Um, and then took a couple of those, took a couple of the sketch classes uh, as well. Who were your instructors at UCB? Anyone like any of the names that we know or that comedy nerds would know? Oh, uh, well I took, I didn't take a class with him, but he used to do, uh, uh, set like independent workshops on very like specific subjects, uh, which is, uh, Anthony Atamanik, uh, who is, uh, uh, uh the yeah. president show is that's, that's him. Oh, yeah. I'm not <laughs> telling you anything you don't know. <laughs> um, uh, and Atamanik is like, I mean, he is so smart. There was a, when I was like really doing improv seriously, just like doing shows constantly and, and practicing every week and everything. Um, I used to go on a rant about how Atamanik was single-handedly giving improv dignity. <laughs> he just, uh, he's an enormously thoughtful, uh, performer and he seemed, even though his kind of persona is very kind of big and in your face, I guess, uh, when he's on stage with other improvisers, he's, he's just thought everything out. So, carefully and has been doing it for such a length of time that he is familiar like there is nobody better than him at recognizing patterns as they're uh, uh arising in scenes and naming those things and just saying the perfect thing to frame them and then he's got his first move on the game uh i i, I have the utmost respect for the, him and what he does he's been you know a sort of a constant inspiration for me as like a, a improviser sketch writer uh, I've only gone up to UCB like once or twice to see, I think just once really to see shows and it was an ASCAT, um, like the, the Sunday night ASCAT and mm -hmm. he and Shannon O'Neill were clearly 
like the superstars of that set. Like I couldn't name yeah. anyone else that was on stage that night. I just know those two for sure. And I'm sure if I go through like a, a, a full list of every UCB alumni or whatever, I could pr- probably figure out the, the other four or five, but like those two were clearly like tops in that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's not surprising to hear at all. They're, they're just, they're, they're showmen, you know? Mm-hmm. And then Shannon now with uh, the Chris Gethard show, which has become one of my favorite things on TV. She's oh, just yeah. awesome. Uh, any other instructors in the UCB time that deserve a shout out or. Um, I'm trying to, I don't, he's probably the most, uh, the most famous, but I, I do want to give a, uh, a, a brief shout out, uh, to, uh, uh, Amanda Dealey, who coached our, uh, my previous indie team for about two years, uh, learned, uh, uh, every bit as much, if not more so from her than from, uh, um, my classes. So, uh, wanted to give her some recognition as well. Right on. Um, how did we get to big britches? So I'm, they do used to do a weekly improv show, uh, at a place called Legion Bar, where uh, puts up a lot of comedy shows uh, in the Williamsburg neighborhood of Brooklyn, and uh, they would have us on a lot, and just got to know those guys a lot uh, through that. And then they would occasionally do um, sketch nights every so often, which would you know force us to write as well. And so we would put on uh, stuff with them. And what was your previous team called? It was called It was called Panic at Del Frisco's. Okay. Uh, which is a steakhouse uh, in Midtown. <laughs> not not a, a, a super accessible name for everybody else. I, I, I think we have it one here in Philadelphia. Oh, okay, cool, cool. So yeah, I knew I knew where it was coming from. So yeah, successful enough. Okay, great. I'm relieved. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Big Britches is hosting a sketch show and. Panic at Del Frisco's has to write every once in a yes, while. Yes, yes. So we would do those um, anytime they would do those they would be nice enough to have us on um and from there uh panic just kind of went the way of things we've been together for two years and i think everybody was just kind of looking for something else so i was free and they were doing a half hour play at the people's improv theater uh in new york and they had an extra part kindly offered me uh the role and so we rehearsed it a bunch so we did that show uh for three months uh like three months well it was it's only once or twice a month right. for three months okay <laughs> but still like wow okay yeah um and that was uh that was a half hour narrative uh which is something i had never uh done before and uh it was a new experiment for them too so um it was exciting to go and try that okay and it was it was interesting in that it came from a shorter like a just a you know four minute sketch that they'd written at one of their shows that was about uh um like pitching the escalator (laughs) and so then it became like a glenn gary glenn ross kind of a take on uh escalator salesman and uh uh uh, john kills his best friend by accident at one point (laughs) and it just kind of spirals from there uh but uh yeah so i i got to do that with them and then uh after that experience together uh they kind of said well you know we know we work well together so you might as well uh, you know, join in with the rest of it. So we've been doing uh, sketch and then occasionally improv together ever since. Uh, how long was Big Bridges a thing before you joined up? I want to say, well, it, that group had gone through a couple of iterations, just with uh, members coming in and out uh, with a couple different names before that. Um, but that core crew uh, that's still in it along with me, I think had been around for about two plus years before uh, I came along. 
Okay, and then how would you describe like big bridges to you know to someone that's never seen you guys before? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think uh, the virtue of sketch is that you kind of get to try on a lot of different tones uh, within the show, mm-hmm. um, within you know a, a collection of you know six or seven sketches in uh, between twenty minutes and a half hour. You get to kind of try and try out a lot of different things. Um, but I, I think it's it's just sort of always just kind of like absurd. And just very weird, like not to give away too much about our set <laughs> that we'll be doing in Philly, um, but uh, John will probably be wearing uh, nothing but an afro over his balls at one point. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so I think there there is a lot of uh, um, sight gags and physical comedy in it, uh, and uh, I think all of us sort of have our different uh, strengths. I think. Um, uh, John and Emily are just like churning out things constantly. And I think Calvin and I are much more like, uh, uh, uh like point of view, uh, focus sketches rather than like premise focus sketches. Uh, uh, and Todd is like a master of, uh, of, of characters basically. Uh, so I think it's that, that mesh kind of makes a, a really fun mix of, uh, of, uh, comedic sensibilities. Okay. What is it like? Now, I've never really performed in, in New York City, and New York City is such a like a, a wealth of opportunity, and a, really like a glut of of space because you have you know UCB of the Pit, um, and countless bars and smaller venues throughout like the five boroughs. Like, what's your experience of performing in New York City? Well, it's it's tough. I mean, there definitely are a lot of places to perform, but there are also a lot of performers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if anything, it can be frustrating at times to find a bar or a venue or something like that and think, oh, this is great. They should, we should do a show here and then reach out to them. And then you find out, oh, people are already doing a ton of shows here. They don't want another comedy show. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're back on uh, the hunt again. Uh, but you are right in that it is sort of goes back to the thing I was talking about community earlier, you know, uh, that sense of healthy competition and knowing that there are a lot of people out there who, who you can draw, you know, companionship, uh, I guess, and, and camaraderie from while also, you know, wanting to kind of put your chips forward against what they've got going on, I think is, a, is the most important thing in a, a creative community of any time, especially comedy, which is so, I think it draws uh, competitive uh, personalities uh, sometimes, not exclusively, of course, but, uh, um, I think that's a virtue. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the theaters are their own kind of, uh, uh, mountain, I guess, uh, some are more accessible than others. I mean, the pit has been super nice to us in terms of, uh, giving us stage time, um, periodically whenever we have, you know, a show like the escalator show, which, which, you know, was successful and ran, had a nice, run there uh, or also whenever we just kind of work some stuff out and they have their festivals and everything. So, you know, it's, I think it's all just a matter of finding your people, yeah. uh, so to speak. And it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a different kind of crowd wherever you go. Like, uh, is there anything else I'm missing? Like other than big bridges, are you doing anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, I do, I do stand up also. Um, and just have been, ramping that up more and more over the last uh, couple of years. And uh, I also, I host a, a radio show on 
uh, Radio Free Brooklyn on Sunday mornings is just an hour. It's a it's a talk show, um, but uh, it's it's a it's a young station. Okay. Uh, it's an internet only station. It's only been around for about two and a half years. Uh, so there's a lot how, of freedom. How did you get to that? Well, that was uh, so it's it's in my neighborhood in, in Bushwick in Brooklyn where I live. Uh, I there's a, a website I think that is still around called Bushwick Daily that was just kind of community news and when the station was founded there was a big write-up of it on that website and i just kind of kept an eye on it for when they were accepting new show submissions and they didn't really have a comedy show at the time um so that was about a year and a half ago thereabouts that i started doing that um and that's really nice because it's just kind of an hour of you know sometimes i just have comics on and we talk uh at other times we do long form sketch stuff like recently uh my uh, uh writing partner and i did a uh did a show that was like a, a parody of car talk yeah. uh, for an hour. That was a lot of fun. And so it's just kind of this space to try like longer, weirder ideas um, that you, that kind of fit that format uh, uh, better than like the stage, for example. Um, yeah. How, how do you, so how do you adjust to writing for the stage, writing visually writing, you know, something that, you know, movement can be a part, the visual can be a part sight gags, whatever Pratt falls versus writing for a format that's audio only Mm -hmm. it's it's tough i think that it's i i'm not a kind of i think there are people who can uh kind of adjust their idea for about any format um Mm -hmm. but i uh can't (laughs) do that um but i think you just you you get the more you do it the more adept you become at recognizing which ideas fit which setting uh better uh, you Absolutely. know, it would be very hard, for example, to do, um, sticking with this car talk example, uh, if, if I had that idea to do it on stage, I think it would be more difficult to stage it in a way that looks interesting to an audience. So the tableau of, of a car talk parody on stage would be boring to me. Definitely. But it would work perfectly on the radio. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there are there are certain ideas that that can be more malleable, but others just lend themselves to certain formats better uh and i mean there are like we've done sketches where you know i think part of it is just like you have to kind of justify in your mind anything and like any idea that you have right like why why does this work as a stand-up uh bit why is this a sketch like you have to kind of you have to give the audience a reason to be seeing what they're seeing in the format they're seeing it you know and whether that is you know just kind of dressing things up and like adding gags in the background like one of my favorite things to do uh in improv or in sketch is to have kind of the main action being at the front of the stage and something else going on in the back you know kind of splitting focus uh like that um and that it's 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 kind of a i guess it's a go-to trick for me at this point um but i think just tricks like that not tricks but approaches like that uh really kind of you maximize the format that you're in you know you couldn't really do that uh, uh, in any other format than live on stage. I mean, you could do it in a video, I guess, but then it, that's, that's got its own uh, um, hassle to it. Where did you first try stand-up? I did it in uh, in Sheffield and then did it more when I was in Maryland and then, uh, uh, you know, I was just doing open mics here in New York okay. uh, after that. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you have, like, a favorite spot in New York that you're doing open mics? Yeah, uh, there are a couple, there are a lot of good ones. I mean, uh, it's, there are a million of them, so it's kind of hard to find, (laughs) hard to find the one or the couple that you uh, really like. But I think after a while, you just sort of naturally uh, find 
folks. I, I would, uh, there's one here on Tuesdays at uh, Precious Metal, which is a bar near where I uh, live that's good. And then um, there are all of the ones at Pine Box Rock Shop are very good as okay. well. I think they have them <laughs> just about every night at different times. Okay. Um, so uh, as we wrap up, uh, so uh, what's something that, that comedy has taught you? And it could be something practical about you know the craft of writing comedy, or even something like big picture existential. What's something that comedy has taught you that you you would pass on to a new writer? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that has been on my mind lately is the idea of boiling everything down to its simplest terms. I think if I have a weakness as a writer, it is that I can get very wordy out of a fear that people won't know what I'm talking about or that the, the, the funny thing about the sketch won't be clear enough if I don't just explain it as, as de- in as, as detailed way as possible. Um, but I think just trying to get to that thing as quickly and efficiently as possible and as simply as possible, because the best ideas really are just uh, simple premises that you could explain to anybody. And it's, those are the hardest ones to find. Um, but just using simple language, keeping the idea simple, and that that might mean you know changing it, taking this character, putting them in a location that allows them to be bigger and and uh, uh, more clear in what's funny about them. Um, that's the biggest thing that I've been thinking about lately. Sure, uh, yeah, that the whole uh, explainy thing like that that's always something that like I see in my own writing. I see mm. it so much in my own writing that, like, when I see it in other people, it really annoys me. Like, yes, like, yeah, I know what you, you mean. Thing <laughs> where like uh, your biggest pet peeves are things that you clearly do yourself. Oh so, yes, like, so oh it's yes. Always like you know this big gigantic red flag that just shows up everywhere. Like, and that happens with everything. Like even like when my nephews are being jerks or something. Like I can see that behavior in in stuff I've done. So like yes, that, that that's a constant for me for sure. Yeah, I think that's a pretty that's a, a a common psychological principle where it's like the things we hate in other people are the things we hate about ourselves, and I think that bears bears out in in uh, writing and performing as well. I, I hope it's just not just me being crazy by myself. Uh, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I hope it's more universal than that. And then uh, finally, uh, I'm assuming comedy isn't your full time job right now. Uh, you have this group together. You're doing stand up. Uh, mm-hmm. why comedy? Why is this how you spend your free time? You're- well, it's very fun to have a show and have it go well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really the best feeling in the world to just go and kill. And, uh, it, you know, it doesn't happen all the time and you have to put a lot of work into making it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but whenever you get that chance, there's really just, there's did, did nothing feels better. Yeah. Yeah. Comedy's good. Yeah. <laughs> you can catch Colby and the rest of Big Britches when they come to Philly Sketchfest on Sunday, June 3rd at 8.30 p.m. at Underground Arts. You can like Big Britches on Facebook at facebook.com slash bigbritchesnyc. Colby also hosts the weekly Young Persons Radio every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. You can find the live shows and past archives at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. 
My First Sketch is a Philly Sketch Fest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Our Twitter is PHL Sketchfest. Instagram is Philly Sketchfest. And the hashtag this year is PHL Sketchfest 10. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com and like my first sketch on Facebook. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.